0: Welcome to Full Rigor, a Florida true crime podcast. I'm Karen Curtis. On this episode, I'm going to revisit my number one downloaded and listened to podcast, The Disappearance of Little Christy Luna. And after I refresh your memory about the 35-year-old unsolved missing child case, I will introduce you to the younger brother of Adam Walsh might recall, he was kidnapped and murdered here in South Florida as well, son of John Walsh of America's Most Wanted fame. Callahan Walsh, who's the director of the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, which has a district office right here in Palm Beach Gardens. We're going to go over what to do if, God forbid, your child should go missing or be exploited online. Here we go. And in this episode, we're talking about a 35-year-old cold case. That might have been cracked thanks to a documentary that the Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office put together, and it led to what they're calling a credible lead. It's an unbelievable story about a little girl named Marjorie Christie Luna, a second grader, who went missing in 1984. But back in 1984, there were little houses out there in Green Acres, and there were no fences. It was just all kind of a small little community. And Christy literally walked 400 feet to a little general store and went missing. So little Christy Luna, again, second grader, really cute little girl. She had other little friends in the area, other six-year-olds. At the time, she was eight, and she had a six-year-old friend. But she had laid down for a nap on a Sunday afternoon. It was Memorial Day weekend, 1984. And she laid down with her mom, I believe her sibling for a nap. And she woke up and she announced, I need to go to the store and get some cat food for my new kittens, Skeeter and Boo Boo. So she took some empty plastic bottles in hand to get some money for them. And so she left the house, it was probably around 2, 2.30 in the afternoon after their nap, and the guy that was running the grocery store remembers her coming in for the cat food at about 2.30, and that's it. (coughs) Zip, zilch, nada. She basically walks 400 feet from her front door to the little market called Belk's, and she's never seen again. So now it's 2019. They are digging about 200 feet away from where she was last seen. Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office put together a documentary that went nationwide and they got a credible lead. They're not saying from whom, but I'm thinking it might have been the wife of one of these guys I'm going to tell you about who said, I think she's over here. I'm telling you, there were little houses, no separation, all in that one little area. It was very rural. Here's her mom, Jenny, and the PBSO sheriff, now sheriff, Rick Bradshaw, about the possibility of finally bringing Christy home with this excavation that they're doing, the digging. And here's what they had to say.
1: It has been 35 years, two months, and nine days today. I think we're going to bring Christy home. We are going to bring Christy home, just putting that positive
2: out there because God's with us and we're bringing Christy home. We're going to do everything we possibly can.
0: So Rick Bradshaw, the sheriff of Palm Beach County, just wants closure for this poor family. For
2: 35 years, the Christy Luna case has been unsolved. And just so the public is reassured, we never, ever forget about any case. So in May, the social media division of our media relations put together a documentary on the Christy Luna case. Fortunately for us, the people that are out there and paying attention to this called us and gave us what we believe is probably one of the best and most credible leads that we have got to date to solve this case. There's going to be a dig site. We have enlisted the aid of Florida Gulf Coast University anthropologists, which will be with us all the time during the excavation over there. And we believe that this is another dot connecting all the dots to hopefully solve this case and bring some closure here.
0: So it's a cold case, 35 years, there's a new lead. They're not saying who it is, but I'm thinking it's the wife of one of these guys. And... The sound that you're going to hear throughout this podcast is actually from the documentary that PBSO put together. So Detective William Springer and other investigators and the forensic anthropologists at the Florida Gulf Coast University are digging where Christy was last seen, about 200 feet away from where she was last seen at that Belk store. And again,
2: they're going to follow through with this tip. I've worked this case since 1984. I've gone through a lot of good suspects and come up with nothing. This one, I don't build my hopes on it, I like it, I think it's a good lead, I'm gonna follow through with it.
0: Okay, so there are at least four solid suspects in the case. But he just said, we had several suspects. So you have the Rambo brothers, who lived literally next door. Then there was a guy who was in town from New Hampshire at his parents' house who lived in Green Acres, at a party the night of the, her disappearance. And he was a suspect in the disappearance of a girl in New Hampshire. And then another man, William Ferris, he lived a couple doors down. First he said he didn't know Christy, and then police came back and he says, oh yeah, my wife babysat for her friend. And you're gonna hear what he told his wife about Christy. It's chilling. So she only weighed 60 pounds, who was eight, walked barefoot wearing a turquoise jumpsuit to the store. Just a little wisp of a kid. She had the empty plastic bottle she planned to exchange for money. Grocer remember selling the cat food for little Boo Boo and Skeeter to her between 2.30 and 3. At 10.15 at night, police were called because she was not home, and Jenny was wondering what is going on. And remember, in 1984, there's no cell phones, no databases, no computers, and for the 10 days after she went missing, it rained. So let's talk about these suspects. Lewis and Charles Rambo, really bad brothers. They practically lived next door. It's just unbelievable. The Green Acres Police Department started the investigation. And they conducted 50 interviews with children and adult neighbors. And some people said she could have stayed at the store till 6 p.m. playing videos. Or she could have headed out to the park. The Green Acres PD then realized, look, we are in over our heads. And they called in the FBI to help find Christy. And the Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office. So, as I said, the Rambo brothers lived a few houses away now, one had molested her friend, her six-year-old friend. Man, and there was no sex offender registry back then in 1984, so nobody knew. Charles Rambo was 32 years old at the time, and he then confessed that he fondled and caressed the six-year-old girl, and he was put in jail for a couple of months, and then he got probation. Greenacres police were able to secure a search warrant for the Rambo house, and they were able to find some evidence. And it was established that Christy had been in their house and they denied any involvement in her disappearance. So a clerk at the Belk store said that she saw Charles giving Christy money. So Chuck Rambo gave Christy money. Get this. The judge goes, well, the young girl's testimony is not admissible. So those charges were dropped and the brothers pled guilty to lesser charges of lewd assault. Placed on probation for 10 years after spending a few months in jail. Here's a little bit more.
2: In 1993, Willis Rambo was sentenced to four life terms for sexually abusing his two stepdaughters. He is now serving life in a Florida prison. Charles, although arrested for molesting Christie's friend and convicted of lewd assault, was never registered as a sex offender.
0: No registry back then. 1984. Prior to 1994, there's been no federal law governing sex offender registration and notification in the United States. He got out of prison. He now resides in Lenore City, Tennessee. That would be Charles Willis, the one that got the life sentences. He's still in prison. Well, they're not the only suspects. Green Acres got info uh, from the Exeter, New Hampshire Police Department that there's this guy named Victor Wyanetti. and he was a suspect in the disappearance of a girl in New Hampshire. FBI was looking at Victor as a suspect in the disappearance of Lewina because he had family members. His parents lived in Green Acres. He was a golf course worker, and he moved to Florida in 84. And then he moved to New Hampshire shortly after she went missing. And this is kind of interesting because the PBSO is saying now, just think back. Was there anything weird that happened that you recall after she went missing?
2: This, I'm hoping, goes out nationwide, and maybe somebody might remember. Something that stood out in their mind back then, a neighbor who up and moved right away, changed cars, shaved their beard, got their hair cut, changed their appearance, you know, did something that really stood out to them.
0: So he moved. So what happened to him? New Hampshire police said he admitted to other inmates while in prison. He abducted and killed Christie. He admitted it, according to jailhouse snitches. Officer said he confessed to other inmates about abducting, raping, and killing Christie, and then he was led out of prison and immediately moved back to Palm Beach County. This was when he was in New Hampshire. He was let out, even though he admitted it. He came back to Palm Beach County. So attack team was put on him. When we found out, when Palm Beach County found out he was back, they did a 24-hour surveillance on him for months. And they photographed him looking into the bedrooms of minor children and masturbating. Years later, he went before a judge in Palm Beach County for indecent exposure. That's where the police testified that Wianetti told the inmates in New Hampshire he confessed to abducting, killing, and raping both Christy Luna and an eight-year-old in New Hampshire, Tammy Bellinger, who disappeared in November of 1984. So she was on her way to school in Exeter, where Wianetti was working. He was arrested and charged with various crimes and sent to prison. He was then let out in 2009. He was never charged in either case, the Luna case or... The Bellinger case. He died in 2013, eight and a half months after he was released from prison in Ocala of natural causes. Could have been him. However, there was not an evidence to close Luna's case. And that's why they made the documentary. And they hope that someone will report something. And they got a tip, especially William Ferris's wife. William Ferris lived a couple doors down and... He said first, initially, he didn't know her. And then police went back and he goes, oh yeah, my wife babysat for her friend. And then they got talking to the wife and the wife told them that he actually said, (laughs) this is so bone chilling. He actually said that one of these girls is going to disappear and she will never be found because she will be buried off Alligator Alley. He worked for the city of West Palm Beach, moved to Virginia within a year of Luna going missing. He yes. was arrested in 2010 for child molestation and sentenced to life in Virginia. But there was a house nearby in 1984, and William Ferris lived there. And again, he was arrested in 2010 for child molestation. He was sentenced to life in Virginia, and he denied knowing her. And he made statements now, according to his wife, that when the two girls were playing in their his house... Here's what he said to her, according to Greenacre's Police. This is what he said
2: to his wife. He made statements according to his wife that when Christy and her friend, I'm not going to mention her friend's name, were together playing, he said, one of these days, one of these girls is going to disappear. After Christy disappeared, he made a statement that they'll never find her, that she's off of Alligator Alley.
0: PBSO are asking anybody at that time who was around, you need to speak up. You Like, for instance, William Ferris's wife, you don't want to, you want to reconsider protecting your husband. Here's what they said.
2: I mean, you may think I'm protecting somebody, but you have to realize that whoever you're protecting really doesn't deserve to be protected.
0: So despite all the smoke, there was no fire into this day. Christy's mom, Jenny, she doesn't know where her daughter is. And she does live in the same house that Christy left from in 1984. And she lives there because she's hoping if she comes home, she'll come home.
2: Jenny has moved back into the house and has lived in the house that she lived in in 1984, hoping that if Christy ever came back, she'd know where to go home to.
0: Jenny, her mom, is still hopeful she'll come home one way or another.
1: It has been 35 years, two months, and nine days today. I think we're going to bring Christy home.
0: Unfortunately, the latest digging that was done in 2019 did not turn up Christy Luna's bones. Some bones were found, some larger bones turned out to be animal bones, and some smaller bones were being analyzed, but none actually turned out to be from Christy. So, she's still missing. The mystery continues. So what happens if God forbid your child goes missing? What exactly should you do? And there's some major changes since Christy Luna went missing 35 years ago. You've got the Amber Alerts. I don't think they put kids' uh, faces on milk cartons anymore. But there's also the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, which has a Florida regional office in Palm Beach Gardens. And I'm joined now by Nick Mick director Callahan Walsh, younger brother to Adam Walsh. You live here in Florida. And who better to talk to about missing and exploited children than you?
1: Sure. So as many of your listeners may remember, my brother Adam uh, Walsh went missing in 1981 here in South Florida and was later found uh, murdered. And my parents, John Rebae Walsh, went on to co-found the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. My father also went on to host America's Most Wanted for 25 years. And in fact, I co-host his new show, In Pursuit, with John Walsh on Investigation Discovery. We're just about to shoot season three. But my parents, after Adam's disappearance, realized there was very little support for missing children. And there was very little protocol training. There was no national response to missing children issues here in the United States. And local law enforcement was basically inept. At, at dealing with missing children's cases. And there was no organization for them to go to. There was no place that they could get help and the resources that they so needed. So they created the National Center, which was actually first called the Adam Walsh Resource Center, but now called the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. You may also hear the acronym, as you stated, NCMEC, or even Nickmic, as we sort of call Nick it. Uh, on your, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and so the, the organization serves as a clearinghouse for missing and exploited children's issues. We've helped recover over 350,000 missing children oh. since our inception. We, uh, we have case managers that are assigned to every case that we intake at here at, at our organization that work look with local law enforcement, with national law enforcement, and really add value to the cases, work with the families as well to try to recover those children as quick as possible, whether that's through a poster distribution, Amber Alerts, as you mentioned, which we run the the distribution of Amber Alerts through our our call center. In fact, the 24-hour call center for the National Center, even though we're headquartered just outside Washington, D.C., our 24-hour call center is located here at the Florida branch office. That's our front line. That's where we take in calls from family, from law enforcement, even victims themselves.
0: And the number to call is 1-800-THE-LOST, right?
1: That's correct. But we also have the other side of the house, which is the exploited side. And our Exploited Children's Division deals with the exploitation of children that mostly happens online. We operate the Cyber Tip Line, which takes in reports of suspected child sexual abuse. That tip line received over 21.7 million reports last year alone. Oh, my
0: gosh. So, Cal Walsh, you're the younger brother of Adam Walsh. Did you know him?
1: I was not born okay. uh, yet. Um, I, Adam was six years old when he disappeared, <clears throat> when he was abducted, and I was born a few years later. Adam would have been 10 years older than me. So a brother that uh, I never met, but a brother I always knew about. You know, We celebrated Adam's life. Uh, I knew his favorite movies and sports, which is Star Wars and baseball. We celebrated his birthday, and I grew up in a family that said we need to make sure Adam didn't die in vain, and if his song is to continue, then we must do the singing.
0: Well, and hats off to your dad. I met your mom, Reve. I actually had an art show that benefited the Adam Walsh Foundation way back in the early 90s, and I got to meet her. It was so lovely. Um, Oh,
1: that's fantastic.
0: It really was. But going back to your brother... 67% 67% of attempted abductions involve a suspect driving a vehicle and your brother was taken from a mall in Hollywood, Florida, obviously by somebody in a vehicle. So tell me a little bit about how things have changed for parents of missing children like your dad, John Walsh, from when Adam went missing to now. What right. are the, what's no. the procedure?
1: Well, the, the first thing that anybody should do if they believe that their, their child has been abducted or has gone missing, because children go missing all sorts of yeah, different Yeah, like you're, ways, they're right? there
0: one minute, they're gone the next.
1: Exactly. And and, it can, and and it can be a stranger abduction, it could be a family friend, it could be a relative, um, you know, there, there's, or the child could, could, could run away. You know, There's many different ways children go missing. But any time that a parent or a guardian suspects that a, a child has gone missing, whether it's an abduction or what have you, you need to call law enforcement immediately. Call nine one one right away. Make sure they know the situation and contact the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. We have some incredible resources and incredible abilities, including uh, Team Adam, which is uh, deployed on site. It's a group of former law enforcement professionals that are deployed on site to help local law enforcement. Um, Gather volunteers and do grid searches, landfill searches, poster distribution, uh, and linking that local those local authorities up with the national resources uh, that we have at our organization. So parents should always call nine one one right away. What
0: about homework that parents can do ahead of time? God forbid their child is taken.
1: At least have an updated picture of your child. Right. At best have a child ID kit, and that card that has an image of the child, but also their descriptive information, because it can sometimes be difficult for a parent to rattle off exactly how tall the child is, what they were wearing, all this and that in the heat of the moment. They're going through the most frantic moment of their life, most frantic experience of their life. And it can be difficult for them to recount exactly, like I said, how tall their child is, possibly what they were wearing. And having a child ID card can really help the parent with that.
0: Is that part of Help ID Me?
1: That's actually for when we have unidentified remains. Uh, However, um, parents can go to our website, missingkids.org, and we have downloadable child ID kits there. Uh, They can also download our app called Safety Central, and that way you can have a digital child ID kit right on your phone, that information is not shared with any third parties, and that way you have it right there, and you can send that to your local law enforcement in a PDF at the touch of the button.
0: Yeah, you don't have to go consult the door jam to see how tall your kid is, because you've, exactly. you don't. Uh, also, and we're speaking with Cal Walsh, a brother of Adam Walsh and son to John Walsh, about Nick Mick mm-hmm. and in case, God forbid, your child should go missing. A couple of things, though, that you brought up. Immediately, you should call law enforcement, but you should also check around the house, like in the closets, piles of laundry under the bed, make sure your child isn't hasn't crawled in somewhere?
1: Sure, absolutely. You know, parents should do everything they can to search locally, you know, where is the last place that they saw their child. And if they're in a store, they should contact and, and talk to the, uh, the employees there as well. You know, there's a program that we run at the National Center called Code Adam, named after my brother. Uh, and it's a set of protocols that uh, store employees enact when a child goes missing at a place of business. It's widely used across the country. It's a great tool to recover missing children quickly, and many stores have it. Go up to one of these employees, tell them you lost your child, and oftentimes, if they use the Code Adam program, they will know exactly what to do. They oh. will step in and they will help recover your child. You know, we see the Code Adams, you know, all the time at our retail participants. And they find the child usually within 10 minutes. It's a great program for stores to enact. If there's any business owners out there listening to this podcast, sign up for the Coach Adam program at missingkids.org. It's a free program, just like all the other resources that we have at the National Center. It's, It's free to use sign up and and start using code out in your store today.
0: So unlike when Adam went missing, there's security cameras everywhere. Everywhere there's a camera and also there's DNA. Now, do you have a way of swabbing a child's mouth to get DNA so that there can be a match? God forbid a body is found. And what about the security camera availability?
1: Absolutely. There are kits out there. The National Center does not provide them, but there are organizations out there that do provide DNA kits. You can swab your child's cheek and store that. That's another great uh, a tool to have. And as you mentioned, security cameras are ubiquitous these days. Unfortunately, they're not all of the same caliber. Some are nice and high def, others not so great. But as technology advances and we can start applying AI and machine learning to these security surveillance systems, we can oftentimes use facial recognition or other sort of services and really put those technologies to use. It's really a great way and example of using technology to keep children safe.
0: And just to keep your child safe, you know, don't have a refrigerator that's locking anywhere near where a child could get into it. Also, your vehicle, keep it locked, because sometimes kids get in vehicles, and they can't get out, and it's really hot here in South Florida. So, those are some places (laughs) where they crawl and hide.
1: Absolutely, and that's a huge problem here in Florida. As you know, it gets so, so hot. You know, even... Throughout the year, even in, in winter, we can, we can have those hot days, and it just takes a matter of moments for those cars to heat up, and uh, you know, a young child stuck in a car or something of that nature here in South Florida is, is a recipe for disaster, absolutely.
0: Also, Cal Walsh, let's talk about AMBER Alerts. And the AMBER Alert is an acronym for America's Missing Broadcast Emergency Response, but it was created as a legacy to nine-year-old Amber Hagerman. She was kidnapped while riding her bicycle in Arlington, Texas, and brutally murdered. Other states and communities soon set up their own AMBER Alerts. I know I get them on my phone all the time. They interrupt your TV program. It must be very beneficial to law enforcement.
1: Contacting any authorities and any that you can. Even contacting the media is a huge, huge thing for, for missing children's cases. We work regularly with the media. And of course, we have our own social media handles that we use for missing children's cases. But any attention that a parent can get on their child's case could really be the difference between whether they see their child again. And the media is a great partner. You know, all it takes is getting an image out there to the public. And that's what the media can do so well. They've got so many eyeballs on their content. I know you mentioned you know, milk cartons in the past, how we used to do it back in the day. But harnessing the power of the media and and social media, uh, we can get even more eyeballs on on these images. And that's really all it takes. It just takes that one person to spot that child, recognize that they're a missing child and do the right thing. And they're the reason they've been reunited, that child's been reunited with their family. And, you know, we say it all the time, the most important tool when it comes to the recovery of a missing child is a photo of that child. And that's why it's so important for parents to have updated and accurate pictures of their kids. Now,
0: sometimes young kids can be taken by family members and custody disputes, but the worst feeling must be for a parent if the child is taken by a stranger, as was the case with Adam, and that not knowing, that not knowing has to be all-consuming.
1: That's what my parents always said, that it was the not knowing that was the hardest part. And you're absolutely right. A stranger abduction is the, the scariest situation, the scariest scenario for any parent. But we do see a lot of non custodial parental abductions as well. And, you know, I see some bias oftentimes in the public with these cases. And they'll say, oh, well, you know, the, the kid's with one of their parents. What's the big deal? Well, uh-huh. there's a reason that parent didn't have custody of that child in the first place. OK, and it's oftentimes that parent is taking that child out of spite of the other parent, not out of love for that child. And a life on the run for that child is not the life that the child should be living.
0: There was a woman who took her two kids and stabbed them because she didn't want her husband to have them.
1: We've seen that as well, too. And, and according to the State Department, uh, two thirds of, of children who are abducted by a non-custodial parental figure suffer some form of serious mental, physical, or sexual abuse. It, it's not a good place for these children to be, but they're just as important as any other missing child case.
0: Very good point. And age, you know, there's a whole range because I've done a podcast on Tiffany Sessions. She's still missing. She was a mm-hmm. student in uh, Gainesville at uh, yeah. University of Florida. She went missing. And then Sabrina Ainsberg. Are you familiar with her case? She went missing uh, in 97?
1: Absolutely. And that's the reason that we actually were able to up our age limit. The National Center, we were traditionally working on cases of children 18 and under. But it was these college situations where college-age kids were going missing, where we knew we needed to step in. And so we called the the cases that we intake with child is over 18 or under 21. It, it's called a Section 5779. That's just because that's the legislature that allowed us to work on those cases. But we did it because of cases just like those two that you mentioned is a reason that we're able to assist in these types of situations.
0: My number one downloaded podcast is for Christy Luna, who's still missing. And they just got some information and dug up some bones. They thought she was buried somewhere in the area near the house. She went 400 yards to a store and went missing.
1: And it can happen just like that. My mother turned around and Adam vanished just like that as well. And, you know, the Christy Luna case, we are desperate for answers. You know, that's a case that's really touched the Palm Beach branch office. You know, we we've worked closely with uh, Christie's mother. It's such a sad case. We want nothing but a positive resolution for her family. And that's why we, we keep pushing. We hold out hope. You know, we will never stop searching for any of our missing children's cases. We have cases that the children are now not children anymore. They're in their 60s and 70s. And we still continue looking for those individuals. We do age progressions with our forensic team of any child that's been missing more than two years. Those age progressions, as as many of your listeners know, is how we sort of age up these images of, of children to make sure that we're putting out an image that looks like what they would look like today. So after a child's been missing for more than two years, we start doing age progressions. And then we do them every two years until a child turns 18. And then we start doing them every five years after that, only because you don't change as as much as we get older. And so we continue to do the age progressions of our missing children's cases until law enforcement or the family tells us to stop.
0: That's unbelievable. And also, and we're speaking with Cal Walsh, the younger brother of Adam Walsh, who went missing and was actually found murdered here in South Florida. That had to be some closure for your parents when they did find some of Adam's remains. I mean, I know the best outcome is that the child is returned to you, but at least to have, like with Christy Luna, the mom would like to be able to put her child to rest. Did that help? Help your parents when they finally found Adam it did
1: help and enclosure wouldn't really be the word that we would use nothing really does provide closure but what it does provide is answer and answers can help you understand the situation and answers can help end certain chapters those you know we don't use the word closure because nothing will bring your loved one back right and and you will constantly have that broken heart and and our family sort of calls it like it's like a scar. It's like a scab you have uh, over your heart where over time that scab might dry up. It might stop bleeding, but it'll crack open again and mm-hmm. it'll start bleeding oh, around the holidays. Little things that make you remember. But it was my family that took it upon themselves to, to make change. And I, I really realized over the years that. Oftentimes, out of tragedy comes meaningful change. And Adam, out, out of the tragedy of my brother's abduction, we created the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, an organization that, as mentioned, has helped recover over 350,000 missing oh. kids. So I think from my father going out and capturing the bad guys on America's Most Wanted, and my mother and my father starting the National Center and the recoveries that we're able to get, I think that's what fills in that hole in, that was left in their heart from Adam's disappearance little by little. When we get the recoveries, when we take a bad guy off the street, you know, it's better than hitting a home run.
0: It it must be so fulfilling for you. And again, it's missingkids.org or you can call 1-800-THE-LOST if you think your child is missing. Gosh, it's the the worst feeling possible. It's like a piece of your heart is missing when that happens. Oh, It has to be so upsetting. (laughs) Let's shift gears a little bit to the exploited because you know we've got a lot of children coming over the border, and I my heart went out to that 10-year-old from Nicaragua who was crying, got separated from his mom because they were kidnapped, and then his yeah. uncle here in Miami paid his ransom and couldn't afford to pay for the mom, but it could only pay for him. But these kids are being exploited. What, God forbid, do you do if you find out that there's a picture of your child floating around on the internet that could be explicit?
1: Well, you know, the National Center actually has some great resources to help uh, parents and their children if a sexually explicit image were to get out there. At missingkids.org slash get help now, we're able to intake those cases and actually take down those images across the Internet. Oh. Um, you know, we, it, I think most people believe whatever happens and goes out on the Internet is permanent. And that can be true in some cases, especially if that those images are downloaded and, and saved to a, a private hard drive or whatnot. But images that are posted publicly on, on the internet, on different websites, social media sites, things like that, we have the ability to, to take those down. We work regularly with internet service providers and domain hosts to take that uh, explicit content down. So if you think there's an image, even if you don't know where that image lives, if you think there might be an image of you out there, we can help. And it's org slash get help now.
0: Wow. You know, and families of exploited children often feel like they're alone, you know, and they struggle and they're overwhelmed with these issues. And how do you tell parents to talk to their kids if they think their child has been exploited?
1: Well, it's it's a tough conversation for any parent. And so the National Center, we, we create great prevention education resources for kids to teach them how to make safe and smart decisions online. But We also have great resources for parents, including discussion guides that help them have those conversations and, and help them navigate those waters to make sure that the conversations that they're having with their children are not only successful, but they're ongoing as well, too, because the conversation you have about online safety with your youngest child is a vastly different conversation with your, your teen about online safety. And so once a child gets online, which here in this country, the the average age for a child to receive their first very own cell phone is just 10 years old. Yes. And you know, they've already been on mom and dad's phone or brother and sister's tablet. And so as soon as a child is, is online is when you need to start having these conversations and, and teaching them how to make safe and smart decisions. What's unfortunate is the knowledge gap can oftentimes be so severe where parents don't know, you know, that much about the internet, or, or even the child is running circles around them, and that's why it's just so important to empower children to make safe and smart decision making. Because it's not always going to be the parents that can be there to help rescue or save the kids. The child needs to be able to identify risky situations and learn how to avoid them.
0: Well I'll tell you, I'm a smart, educated woman. And I recently had someone reach out to me on Facebook and I felt a little leery about it. And, you know, down the primrose path and then the shoe dropped with the uh, help me buy a Bitcoin. I'm like, wait a <laughs> minute, you know, I got duped. So if I got duped, these kids can be totally taken advantage of. You have Team Hope. Um, It's a volunteer program that connects families to others who've experienced crisis of a sexually exploited child.
1: Uh, Yes, Team Hope is a a great group of of individuals. It's parents of either missing or exploited children. It's a peer support group run through our Family Advocacy Division and they do all sorts of trainings and, and seminars and all sorts of great group activities together. But as I mentioned, it's a peer support group. And sometimes just, that's just a call in the middle of the night from one parent to another. You know, we have parents in FAD who have been looking for their children for decades. And then you have new parents who are onboarded. And they're partnered together and and they help each other while they're going through these tough and and terrible times. And I do want to sort of go back and just touch on the exploited issues just a bit more because we've seen a significant uptick in our exploited children's cases and reports at our cyber tip line. It's, the again, the mandatory reporting mechanism for internet service providers for suspected child sexual abuse. So anytime there's child sexual abuse material, child pornography, or any types of grooming, luring, online enticement, what have you, happening on platforms, it's reported to us. We received 21.7 million reports last year. That's up 26% from the year before. And we're up 100% in a single category, online enticement. That's when an individual will try to groom and lure a child, either to gain Uh, sexually explicit images or abduct them from the home. And I say abduct them. However, if a child is groomed by one of these individuals and does leave the home on their own volition, it's not considered an abduction case. It's actually considered a runaway case because the child left the home on their own recognizance, even though they went right into the open arms of a child predator. And we know the media, law enforcement and the public have bias against quote, runaway kids. They think it's out of, you know, these children are doing because they're misbehaving or whatnot. And we really need to change that attitude here in the United States because these children are uh, terribly susceptible, not only children who are, are running away right into the open arms, but if they're running away to the street, they become susceptible to, to sex traffickers and all types of abusers. Um, we've seen chatter on the dark web amongst these exploiters talking about how COVID is a great time to groom and lure children because of the increased screen time that they're experiencing. And so there's even more opportunities to harm these kids. You know, the Internet's created life for the better in so many ways, but so many more ways to harm our children.
0: So devious and sick these people are. I mean, it's just unbelievable how they can prey on your emotions and your love and a kind heart. It's just and especially a child who's so vulnerable. It's completely Absolutely. understandable how a child could be lured out of the house with, you know, whatever they're telling him. They believe it. They want to believe
1: yep. it. They want to believe it. And oftentimes, you know, some of these children are looking for that attention. They might not be getting that at home. And as you mentioned, You know, we see these scams happening, you know, financial scams happening all the time to adults or these catfishing scams happening to adults all the time. So, of course, it can happen to children. Of course. Of course it can.
0: And parents need to pay attention. I'm sorry, but, you know, pay attention not only in the mall. Hold your kid's hand because it just takes a second, but also pay attention to what they're doing online because these people are out there and they're coming after your kid. Don't think it can't happen to you, right?
1: Absolutely. And, and, you know, COVID and the whole lockdown scenario has actually given a lot of parents a false sense of security. They look and they see their kid right there on the couch and they go, they're my, my child's at home. They're in a safe place. They don't always know who that child is talking to online. And that child has, you know, a cell phone with a HD camera that goes with them everywhere, from the bathroom to the bedroom to wherever. Um, and that's why parents need to really do just that. Parent up about online safety, real world safety and be a parent.
0: Yeah, they have access to the world. I know we need to cut this short, so I just want to circle back to the Christy Luna case because at that time, there was no sex offender registry, and now we do have that because there were some really bad actors that lived in and around her at that time. So that does help with the sex offender registry, correct?
1: It does, And, and with Adam's case, it was the same. There was no sex offender registry. There was a lot of bad guys floating in around that area that nobody had tabs on. And thankfully, because of cases like Adams and like Christie's, you know we now have the Adam Walsh Child Protection Act, which created a national sex offender registry. We work directly with the u s marshals to help uh, track down non compliant sex offenders, so those guys that abscond and and go off to another state or cut their bracelet off or what have you, uh, we help track those bad guys down and bring them back into compliance.
0: Well, my bones are chilled. I so appreciate you spending time with us, Cal, Walsh. And I want to give out the website, again, missingkids.org, and also 1-800-THE-LOST for the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. You've got a center right here in Palm Beach Gardens. Thank you for joining us on Full Rigor.
1: Thank you for having me. I really, really appreciate it. Thank
0: you. Oh, so there you have it. Again, I'd like to thank Cal Walsh for joining me on this episode. And, you know, he says he's going to come back again and talk about some of the upcoming episodes of his new show with his dad, John Walsh, called In Pursuit, that have a Florida connection. Yay, Florida true crime. So, of course, I would welcome him back anytime. And in case you want to learn more about the cases that we discussed, you can listen to my episode 22, Who Really Kidnapped and Decapitated Adam Walsh? And episode 14, Creepy Florida Unsolved Mystery, Where's Baby Sabrina? Well, that wraps up this episode of Full Rigor. Please subscribe and download. Plus, check me out on Instagram at Full Rigor Podcast and follow me. Please message me with any tips, suggestions, or cases you'd like me to investigate and report on. I love to hear from you. Well, that wraps up Full Rigor. Thanks for joining me next time
1: peloton let's go
2: this holiday with the right music and the right motivation from world class instructors we're gonna pick it up a notch it's the holiday season you might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes from running to cycling to yoga try peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial on the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts to recommend the best products for your vehicle and budget. Get maximum cooling system performance for 10 years or 300,000 miles with Peak Long Life Universal Pre-Mixed Antifreeze and Coolant. Now just $3.99 after mail-in rebate. Limit supply. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit OReillyAuto.com. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.